What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Brandon's Face. It's the podcast about a playlist. My name is Jonathan Beardsley. And I am Brandon May. Thanks for joining us. We hope you're all doing well. We have an incredibly stacked show for you this week. We'll be talking about new albums from Miley Cyrus, Manchester Orchestra, Story of the Year, Suicide Silence, Orbital, Periphery, and Meet Me at the Altar. But as always, before we do, we're going to run through some of the more interesting singles to come out this week. If you like what you hear, please like, follow, and subscribe. All right, man, let's dive in. First up, let's do we it. have a new one from Calvin Harris, Ellie Goulding, called Miracle. Uh, if you follow any EDM blogs on social media, then odds are you've seen the live videos of this track floating around. Yeah, I saw it. I think, yeah, I think you even sent me one a few weeks ago, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, all of this to say it's a highly anticipated track. Now that you've heard the full song, what are your thoughts on it? I'm sorry. Are we in the 90s? This is a 90s trance banger. Tiesto would have dropped this at his Disneyland China set in 1998. <laughs> I fucking love this track, bro. I think we'll get a full 90s trance set out of Calvin at Coachella. One could only hope, man, but I, I strongly <laughs> doubt it. It's funny. I was uh, listening to this song earlier today, and then I and then I it reminded me of uh, DJ Mangu's Eurodancer. So I sent that to you. I don't know if you mm-hmm. listen to it again, but every time I every time I hear that song, I'm like, oh wow, yeah. We used to. I didn't it, realize man. that was why you sent it to me. But I know. Now, I'm, now I'm, it I makes to tell you here. Um, <laughs> Yeah, man, I I didn't want to believe the hype with this one because both artists have not been putting out their best music in recent years, but credit where it's due. This lived up to the hype, feels like an instant classic. I know they worked together a few times, but hearing them do a track so heavily inspired by 90s trance just hits completely different. I can already imagine this kind of being castles in the sky for gen z can't you <laughs> yes yes got that type of vibe to it oh, i hope there's funny. like a 12 year old out there and this is the first exposure to edm they've had right? um do you think dj Cyril is already working on the ddr remix of this uh, you know one can really only hope john whatever happened to that guy <laughs> i don't know man <laughs> Moving on, we have a new one from Rez called Suffer in Silence, and like all Rez songs, it feels like being duct taped to the front of a rocket ship without a helmet (laughs) and launched into outer space. And I mean that as a compliment, of course. How did you feel about this one? I don't think there's any other way you can take that. Uh, Yeah, this is insanely heavy. I've been bumping this all week. I fucking love this track, man. Yeah, excellent. Um, Next up, we have a new one from Gorgon City called Voodoo. Are you enjoying this one as much as you have the other tracks in the post-Olympia era of bangers they seem to be in the middle of? Uh, yeah, man. I, I actually really like this one. My notes actually say Back to Future House, I see. I like this track <laughs> a lot. Yeah, like most EDM tracks that we cover on here, I really wish we had an extended mix of this one to break down, right. but I thought this one was really, really good. Yeah, I, I really like this one. Kind of back to their roots a little bit, you know? Yeah. I, I saw them twice in 2015, and... Uh, they had, you know, they, they were doing the whole full band future house thing and God, it was so cool. And they've changed their sound a little bit here and there, but this is really going back to their roots. So how did you end up seeing them? Was it a festival? Yeah, I saw them at Coachella and then I also saw them at hard and we kind of just like walked past their set a little bit at Coachella. Mm. We didn't, I didn't, I actually learned who they were at Coachella 2015. Cause I think, uh, the album with Medusa, uh, yeah. on, on the cover had just come out and somebody handed me a, a fan 
like a paper fan on a popsicle stick and it was fucking hot that year and i remember yep. like using it i was like who the fuck is this and uh we were we were fucking we were walking by they were playing in a tent i think it was the mojave tent and uh i was like man this is a fucking bop like what is this and i and i look over and it's Gorgon City, and I was like, "Oh shit!" I mean, I've been using their fan all weekend, and then uh, so so we we wa- we watched that set for about ten minutes. But then when we went to Hard Summer that year, that same year, um, mm-hmm. we tried to watch the majority of their set. Uh, unfortunately, we didn't make it the full fifty minutes because the sun was directly in our fucking faces, and it was, I believe, August. So <laughs> in Los Angeles, so it was it was, and it was on like the black tar. I don't know if anybody is oh, listening has there. ever been to. Pomona Fairplex, but that is the worst venue for a rave. Um, mm-hmm. so, uh, but uh, but the band was very good. They were really tight. It was uh, it was a really cool set. Dude, that's fucking awesome. You unlocked like a core memory with the whole paper fans at Coachella thing. Yeah, those bro. are an underrated marketing technique. I'll tell you that. Absolutely, think- they've got to be cheap too. Like if you if oh, you pr- yeah. if you print like ten thousand of them, they've got to be cheap, bro. It's like the fucking little wooden spoon that used to come in the ice cream cups when you were a kid that's exactly the quality of wood that you're getting on that (laughs) i got one of those for the dead weather my first year and i used it as a fan and i never realized that jack white was in that band and i could have seen jack white that year had i known (laughs) who they were but the fan helped out a lot yeah no it was it came in clutch for sure all right, man. Moving on, we have a new one from Vintage Culture and a handful of other art- artists called Tina. What are your thoughts on this one? Uh, I'm sorry. Was some girl that looked like Tina Turner going to raves and getting people all fucked up in the early 90s? If so, that's fucking I, awesome. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> this track hits, but I don't know about the lyrical content, my man. This seems like a uh, this seems like a classic case of who dosed me. Yeah, I... I <laughs> So I enjoyed this one like you. I don't know if it's part of his upcoming album or not, but musically it's excellent. And the spoken word vocals, while not my favorite thing stylistically, add a fun layer to this song that should elicit a pretty good response live with the right production behind it. Are you a big spoken word vocals and EDM fan? It really depends on the song, man. Like it it really does. It Um, does. I think in house music, it's really easy to do well, but it's also very easy to do terribly. Um, mm-hmm. I think I think uh, I think spoken word vocals in electronic music are like a hype man at a DMB show. It is sometimes awesome. Other times it's like, why the fuck are you here? That's well put. Um, until Channel Trust came along, outside of Disclosure and Duke Dumont, I probably wouldn't have considered myself a fan of it. But it's really grown on me, thanks to some nice. classics from all of them. Nice. God, the DMB hype, man. What a guy. <laughs> I think I saw a, a new drum and bass festival got announced today with like Pendulum and Netsky. I yeah. Think, are the headliners. Yeah, man. Pendulum's on a couple of lineups. I think Bonnaroo this year, maybe? Um, Dude, good for them. Yeah, good man, for them. I, I could be lying. It might not be Bonnaroo, but I don't know. I don't know what's happening. But everybody who's going to those festivals do not miss Pendulum set. They are. I, I think <laughs> the the drum and bass one's a DJ set. Do you know if they're playing as a band? It at the other lineup I saw. I'll try to find it so I can link it in the show notes. But the other festival I saw did not say DJ set. It said Pendulum. Man, I I hope they do the full 
the full band again. I've seen some more recent performances from Infected Mushroom, and it does not seem like they do the band thing anymore. It seems like it's just a DJ and the vocalist, which sucks because they are literally the most like mind blowing live band <laughs> I've seen multiple times. Well, you know, there's there's a famous I think it's like 2013. Ask me anything on Reddit where Rob Swire somebody asks, "What about Pendulum?" And Rob Swire I think it was a Knife Party AMA, and Rob Swire was like, "Yeah, man, touring with a band fucking sucks," and we. <laughs> We have an album left in us, but that's not because we want to. It's because we're contractually obligated to have an album left in us. So this is probably the lead up to a final pendulum swing. And then I think that's probably going to be it for the band unless somebody wants to continue it with that Rob, which would be sacrilege. And I think everybody knows that. Yeah, you can't do that. And don't think I missed that pendulum swing line you just dropped. Um, <laughs> All right, next up, we have what I believe is an Adriatic remix of a track called Beyond Us by an artist named Anka. I'm going to go with that. Um, but it could also be a fully collaborative remake of, remake of the track from the ground up. I've never heard the original, so I have no idea. But semantics aside, this track is fucking excellent, man. They, they managed to keep a simple vocal loop interesting until building it up into one of the more interesting drops we've heard recently. Would you agree? Uh, oh, oh, fuck yeah. <laughs> like, this is, uh, so uh, the hat sip soot version refers to the circle set that they did. I think that this is a track mm, that maybe okay. Enka and Adriatic have maybe in the in in the in the vault but decided to drop it at this set and I'm I'm just speculating here and they probably messed with it live a little bit. I sent you the circle set. I don't know if you had time to listen to it, but it's fucking incredible. I like YouTube Premium cuz I get to I get to just close my phone and just listen to it even though it, even though it was beautiful scenery. Back in my day that was free. I know, I know. You can still do it with other apps, so get around that shit. Uh, but man, the set's fucking incredible. This is one of the tracks, obviously, that they dropped. Uh, it's a little harder than we normally get from Adriatic, but I, I, I really, really like this track, man. Um, I still listen to his album Nude uh, all the time. <laughs> like it is, it is one of, of my favorite do. electronic albums. I think of all time. Studies in Dance Theory is just a fucking amazing song, uh, and so I think I'm forever going to be a fan. But I don't think that this was bias liking this track this track is hard it is do you have that one on vinyl i do of course you do i, love I do that. of course i do i <laughs> actually there's like an 80 percent chance you do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah man uh yeah I, I i like that one it's good it sounds fucking great i'll have to hear it on there someday i'm sure you will uh moving on we have a scorcher of a remix from Anima and Cassian of a track called My City's on Fire by Jimmy Jules. Thank you for throwing this one on because I would have missed it. We've only been covering them for a short period of time, but I can already clearly hear some of the things that I've enjoyed from Anima and Cassian's recent releases present in this remix. And hearing their styles together somehow takes this track to an even higher level. Are you as high on them as I am or am I overhyping this a bit? My God, man, this this track is amazing, dude. Uh, yeah, dude, I I've been really digging Anima. Um, 
I really like uh, the remix that Eric Prids did for uh, one of Anima's songs. I forget the name, Conditional or something like that. Um, and Cassian's kind of been on my radar for a while. And we covered one of his one of his remixes last year mm-hmm. when he remixed uh, Knee Deep by Rufus. And again, I think we both thought that it was good but unnecessary. Uh, this yeah. is great. And thank you for blessing us and the entire world with this Cassian and Anima. Yeah. I'm surprised we're allowed to listen to this one outside of Tulum, Mexico, but I'm thankful <laughs> they gave us the chance. Dude, wh- you've seen videos from that show, right? The weird oh, waterfall. Yeah. Oh, How yeah. the fuck? Why are other festivals not doing this? That well, looked incredible. I think I think festivals are starting to be more receptive to more of the technologically advanced setups. Because, I mean, back when you and I were raving, uh, DJs were so cool if they had their own stage. Dylan mm-hmm. Francis had his own stage. Excision had his own stage. I forget what he called it. It Feed was cool that Deadmau5 had a felt mask when he started. Right. You know, like, like but nowadays prids is going on tour with a fucking hologram setup yeah uh tale of us like a roger waters show right exactly it's like it's gotta it's gonna be a religious experience and so both Mm -hmm. eric prids hollow and tale of us who is the label head for afterlife is going to be at coachella so that that should be interesting um bringing those kind of large-scale technologically advanced production sets to arguably the most what would you say influential music festival in at the very least the country um yeah. i think people are going to see that and be like wow i need to go see prids hollow um he's also bringing the hollow to uh ultra and i think these are some of his first like festival sets with it um so i'd be surprised and I think it's 5.0 now so there will be some new visuals worked in right uh and i mean you really got to like tailor your set to that kind of stuff but i'd be very surprised if tale of us doesn't bring uh an audio video spectral spectacle to the polo fields this year so we'll we'll, we'll see what happens but um I don't yeah. Anima is not on the lineup, but I'd be very surprised if we didn't if we didn't hear a couple of these tracks dropped, at least uh, at least if not by Tale of Us, then somebody else in the U.S. dropping some of these. So, yeah, I agree. If any of our listeners are going to a festival where any of these artists are playing, take some drugs responsibly and have the time of your life, please test them first. But yes, do that. <laughs> Want some Pokeballs, bro? Um... I'd, t- I'd eat a Pokeball. <laughs> I, I would, I'd look at it first, but I'd eat it. Of course you would. All right, man. Next up, as is tradition, we have two new tracks <laughs> from Kolsch called Cold Air and Environ. I know he's one of your favorite artists to cover week to week. So tell me how you're enjoying his newest release. This man just fucking speaks to me, dude. Both of these tracks are insanely well produced. That intro and outro to Envion just being like just the kick before the synths is just fucking great, man. Um, yeah, I, I like both of these as is tradition for any Kolsch uh, releases. So did you like them? Yeah, man. I enjoyed both of these. Cold air gave us a little bit of that lower, darker side of his sound while environ was surprisingly upbeat as far as his music goes, but I enjoyed both of these. Yep. Uh, moving on, we have the original and the Carl Cox remix of a new Nicole Modiber track called intentionally. Did you have a preference between these two versions? Okay, so I saw that this dropped and I looked at it and I listened to both of them. I previewed both of them. And what I do when I preview shit is I'll skip around a little bit in the track to see how it progresses before I like dig in. 
both tracks are so wildly different that I just wanted to see the dichotomy here. And I wanted to honestly hear what you thought about it. You and I have had many a Carl Cox conversation. So um, I think he did a good job with the remix, Carl Cox, but the original is better. Um, I can see both of them dropping either one of these in a set, though. Uh, what did you think about these two? I agree that both versions are good, but I disagree. I went back to the Carl Cox one a little more. Um, I think her version's good, and we you're right. We've talked about Carl Cox and, like, kind of how he is a, obviously a legend and a good producer, but we don't really end up loving a lot of his productions. I thought he killed it with this one. This one is very much my tempo. Nice. Uh, but you can't go wrong with either version, really. No, no. They're, 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 bo- they're both good. Yeah. Um, I actually have not listened to a lot of Nicole Modiber's like originals. I've seen a lot of her sets, like, but this is one of my first times actually hearing her original production. So it was pretty cool. She's got some good production chops, man. She does. I'm going to have to dive a little deeper in. Hopefully we get more new music from her this year. Yeah. All right, man. Next up, we have a new one from Depeche Mode called My Cosmos is Mine. And... I know this one could have been sorted a few different ways, but I put it here because of the overall dark electronic feel to it all. Uh, I've never been a huge Depeche Mode fan, and I'm not a huge fan of this track. There's things I like about it, but I don't know if it's one I'll be returning to after this. But we've never talked about them, though. Are you a fan of theirs? I am a casual fan of theirs. I love Violator. Violator's a great album. Um, sure. And there, there's really no way to deny that. I mean, they, they have they have some real bangers on there. Um, but I'll agree. I, 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 I have a feeling that... I'm Well, hold on. Let me back up. I'm not going to speculate on your feelings. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just say it, and you're going to agree, probably. Depeche Mode makes the same song a thousand times. They are the ACDC of new wave, almost goth. And that's okay for some bands. And this is indeed a Depeche Mode track. You can tell by the way that it is. Uh, they have mm-hmm. a new album coming out. I'm definitely going to listen to it. We may or, I may or may not throw it on the playlist for us to cover. But uh, sure. I, uh, yeah, I've, I've never been like a giant fan of theirs. So I think I'm going to go into it with an open mind. Okay. Okay. How did you feel about this track in particular? Um, it's a little too down tempo for me. I, I didn't dislike it. I didn't love it. Yeah. I think that's about where I landed on it too. Yeah. Um, moving on, we have a new one from Kuko and the Maria's called see me Voy, And it should go as no surprise that this one was one of my most played songs of the week. The Maria's <laughs> are one of my favorite groups and I've been dying to hear something new from them for a while now. Everything about this song works. The production is great. The vocals from Kuko pair well with hers. I loved it. How are you feeling about it? This is really good, man. Um, it's not a Maria's track, which I like. They no. feature on it. Um, and it's a, it's way different than some of their productions, but this is, a, this is a good track, man. This is a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm still dying to hear new The Maria's music, <laughs> but this helps. This of helps course, a little of bit. Course. Hearing her voice at all. <laughs> um, all right, man. Next up, we have a new track from, I don't know if it's PNAU or PNAU and Khalid called The Hard Way. I think it's a pleasant and soulless pop song. It sucks, but it's not really hurting anybody, so I won't bash it too much. What are your thoughts on it? My notes say Khalid sounds good. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Sure. As he tends to. Uh, I'm a a little surprised we haven't gotten an album announcement from him yet. Like His last full-length album came out in spring 2019, 
And even though his last EP was my favorite project of his to date, it did not garner any of the same success that his big album singles like Location or Talk did. That's not surprising. He made it for you, so... Of course he did. He did. And I appreciate that. He's he's still in the top 50 artists in the world on Spotify, despite the gap between albums. But three to four years is a long gap for an artist in their prime. Would you be excited if he announced a new album or not? Uh, yeah, man. I mean, definitely. I I tend to. I don't know, man. I, I honestly I like it when he drops a more R&B centric release because you get excited about it and that gets me excited yeah. about it. So. Uh, but you know, I, I would definitely listen to it with an open mind. I don't like all of his music. I think that, I think that's silly to do that, but I, it's, he has a killer voice and there's honestly, I mean, if I was in the top 50 artists on Spotify without dropping an album in four years, I might be like, yeah, let's ride the wave. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know? I wonder, I wonder if that's what his label's saying. Though. Yeah. Well, I have a feeling he's working on something and we'll find out what that is pretty soon. Right. Um, moving on, we have a new one from Black called Talk Back. He dropped the title track to his upcoming album, Since I Have a Lover, last week, and you and I both liked how he decided to do something different on that one. This track feels a lot closer to his older stuff than that one did. I enjoyed it because I enjoy his older stuff, but I feel like it could alter expectations for people like you who are looking for something a little different than some of the more traditional trap R&B sound that dominated the 2010s. So did this alter your expectations for his new album or were you able to enjoy this track or hate this track on its own terms? I don't want to say it dampened my expectations, but I'm actually going to disagree with you a little bit. I obviously heard some of his old style, but I, I mean, these these kind of uh, these acoustic guitar loops that he's really fucking with are are he kind of took last the la- the song from last week and moved that into his old style, I think, on this track. So I yeah. I, I liked it. Um, we'll see what happens. I'm going to go in, I'm going to go into uh, Six Lacks album with a uh, with a very open mind because I, I, I kind of like really want to enjoy it. I think we will. I think overall we will. That comes out next week, so we're going to find out really soon. Hell yeah. Next up, we have the first of two songs with Black Thought on them. The first one is called Glorious Game with Kirby, and it's one of my favorite singles that we've heard so far from the upcoming Black Thought project produced by El Michel's Affair. The bass line in it is fucking sick, and Black Thought's flow is A+. How are you feeling about that one? Yeah, I'm really excited for this album now. I don't think we should add any more singles. I'm with you. I'm with you. I think it's coming out pretty soon, too. Yeah, a couple of weeks, um, maybe. And the second track featuring Black Thought is by an artist called Soon Kuti, and the track is called Bad Man Lighter 2.0. It also features Vic Mensa. What are your thoughts on this one? I think this track is chill as fuck. Big fan of the vibes, the brass, and the bars here. Yeah, I liked it. It's got a nice groove to it, and everyone on it delivered. Yep. Uh, moving on, we have a new one from Beach Fossils called Don't Fade Away. Have you been enjoying this one? We have a new Beach Fossils track and we have a new Beach Fossils album announcement. Uh, Mm -hmm. their new album is going to be coming out on the 2nd of June and I am a big fan of this song. I am a big fan of this band. Um, they make, uh super surfy indie rock and I am a big fan of that style. Um. So, yeah, man, what did you think about this one? As far as this style of indie pop goes, I thought this was really good. They haven't put out a full-length album since 2017. Do you think 
this new one is going to live up to the expectations with that kind of gap? Ah, uh, fucking maybe. Who knows? Uh, they're doing some cool <laughs> marketing for it, and we'll, we'll 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 see. I don't. Here's the deal with this band. Because they make the style of music that they make, and they haven't deviated like a lot. Like, sure, their last album was a little bit more ethereal than their first than their first venture, um, and it had more of like a shoegaze beach house kind of vibe to it, rather than a rather than a Beach Fossils vibe to it. Like their first few albums, um, I don't have many expectations for it, mainly because. Um, Mainly because I don't think that this kind of style warrants expectations. I think that this song was really good. And if this is any indication of what we hear on the album, I think I'll like it. I don't think it's going to be rock album of the year, but you never know. I think you're right. I've never really thought about it that way. But yeah, beach indie rock doesn't really need expectations if the group itself isn't deviating from that style. It always just kind of is what it is and you enjoy it or you don't. Right. Like if real estate put out a new album tomorrow i would know how it sounds before i hit play i wouldn't i yep. know i know i would like it but i'd also know how it sounds before i hit play you know what i'm saying exactly 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 all right man next up we have a new one from proto martyr called make way it's a fun post-punk track that sounds like it should be playing every time somebody walks into pappy and harriet's i really <laughs> liked it did you yeah man i fucking love this uh this band man they haven't put out an album in about three years their last album was ultimate success today we have the first single off of their new album that is also out on six two my notes for this track and the track prior are big fan of this song and this band and we have a new album on the way out on six two um yeah man i i i agree i think i think that this is a great post-punk track and they should have more fans because they are uh very very good i think that they um they have this kind of like viagra boys takes the post-punk route of i'm gonna almost make fun of myself while i'm doing this and proto martyr takes the route of this is art and it's gonna sound like art and it's gonna be art and i love that because i i, I think that they do this very well so we'll see what happens. I agree. I'm excited for that album. I know you are. Six Two's really shaping up. Beach Fossils yes. and Proto Martyr so far. It should be a fun one. Indie kids are going crazy. Uh, oh, you mentioned <laughs> huge uh, day for indie kids. <laughs> huge day for indie kids. Uh, you mentioned Pappy and Harriet's. They're no longer being promoted by Golden Voice due to some lawsuits, and they're actually uh hosting like some bands that i would like really want to go see now they've got like godspeed you black emperor playing there i think that's pretty cool well that's sick who's yeah. promoting them just self it, it's uh, it's self-promote now so it used to be i think back in like 2016 when desert trip happened and paul mccartney played there they entered into a, con a contract with golden voice to promote for them um, so we had a lot of like big bands play there, right? Um, mm -hmm. Nowadays we don't have that many, uh, which is kind of cool because it's. I think it's going to keep keep the keep the the keep the people from LA out of Joshua Tree, like the people in Joshua Tree would like. Interesting. Um, are they under Ticketmaster? I don't think that they are anymore. I think that it's. Oh. Um, I think that it's uh, Dice. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. I like that they're using an alternative. Did you see the newest fiasco in all of the Ticketmaster shit today? No, what happened? So the Cure put tickets on sale for their tour. So and that to is circumvent... Silly. No, no. Well, well, yeah, kind of. So to circumvent what Ticketmaster's been doing, they made a lot of the tickets $20. Mm -hmm. 
somebody bought four $20 tickets, which should be what? $80, right? I'd Guess how much it was. It was 170 after the fees. They did what the fuck, an $11 service charge per ticket, not even just for the order, per ticket, so times four, and then a $10 facility charge per ticket, <laughs> so another 40 and then a service fee of like $5. God damn. Like, like one, fuck them. Two, kind of impressed they had the balls to pull a move like this in the middle of being investigated by the government. Because this is just the most bold face, like, fuck you imaginable. They have no competition. There's no way they need to be charging that much on the lower end tickets and fees. It's it's fucking robbery at this point. It's wild, man. And yeah, it's it's very clearly something that an antitrust lawsuit needs to break up because we did we did it for Microsoft in the 90s. We should be able to do it for fucking Ticketmaster today. Um, and uh, yeah, man, that's that's absolutely ridiculous. It's funny. We were all talking uh, at work not too long ago. Uh, there's this new arena that opened up in Palm Desert. Uh, Lizzo is playing. Paramore is playing. Uh, Harry mm-hmm. Styles just played. The but, hockey arena. Yeah, the hockey arena. But uh, the Eagles were playing. And um, we got to talking about, I think we got to talking about like classic rock or something because I threw Steely Dan on because I'm apparently that guy. And... Somebody was like, oh, the, yes, Eagle, are. the Eagles are playing. Uh, are you going to go, Brandon? I was like, ah, no, I'm not going to go. But let me look up tickets, see how much they were. I'm going to give you I'll give you four guesses if you want how much, t- how much those tickets were. Oh, okay. Eagles at the hockey arena? Yep. Okay. Non- 100. Nope. 250. Nope. 500. More. 1,000. There were tickets being sold. For nosebleeds, they were about two seventy five. Pit tickets oh were seventeen hundred and sixty five dollars before fees. My jaw dropped, bro. I was like, Man. Ticketmaster, what are you doing? Who's gonna pay seventeen hundred fucking dollars to go see the Eagle? The Eagles? Somebody needs yeah. to hear Hotel California in their face like that. Seventeen hundred dollars yeah. worth? Come on, man! I'm not gonna fund another Frank Ocean lawsuit. I just—it blows my mind, man. Well, that's crazy. You know what? We've had a rough night, and we hate the fucking Eagles, man. Okay, <laughs> get out of my fucking cap. <laughs> I just hate the fucking Eagles. Uh, all right. Uh, moving on, we have a new one from a group out of San Antonio called Fee. This track is called Isolation. And can I just say more of this, please? I see people online constantly complain about how they don't make certain kinds of movies anymore. And I agree. But not enough people are talking about how we didn't how we don't get certain kinds of bands anymore. And this is one of those bands. It's straightforward punk. And to top it all off, they have some really cool fucking album artwork. The lyrics work. I'm digging this, man. So thanks for adding this. I love discovering new bands like this. Tell me where you found them and what you thought of this. A co-worker showed them to me. Oh, sick. Yeah. uh, We we got to talking about about music and uh, we were just kind of throwing punk bands at each other and um he was like hey you hear this band and showed showed me them and i was like oh shit they're really good so i followed them on spotify and then forgot about them quickly and then they showed up in my new releases and i was like oh shit this is that band uh shout out to omar who showed that showed me that i was like oh shit all right yeah shout out omar this is a good find it's a good one 
Uh, next up, we have a new one from Hot Mulligan called Shh, Golf is On, and it's got to be cowbell in it. It's got the cowbell in it, so it goes without saying that this song is pretty rad. I've really been enjoying them since hearing them for the first time a year or so ago. And after you added this, I noticed that they have a new album coming out on May 12th called Why Would I Watch? I'm really looking forward to that one after hearing this track. What about you? Yeah, every new track I hear from them, they get better. So, like, yeah, let's somehow. go. <laughs> uh, moving on, we have a track from a group called Where the Waves Are Born. And the track is called Aurora? Yeah. Okay. Got all that right. Uh, I wasn't expecting you to throw some post-hardcore from Spain on the playlist this week, but I'm glad you did because it was awesome. I love the instrumentation and vocals on this one. I think they have a new EP dropping soon that we should definitely check out as well. How are you feeling about this track? We have arrived at my song of the week. Ooh, I okay. I couldn't stop listening to it, man. I love the passion with small bands like this because you get true like non-manufactured passion and that's what we hear in this and this is like the perfect stage for it it's well produced but also still you can tell that it's it's not it's not like they don't have master engineers working on the mixing and the mastering you know so fuck man this is so good dude i kept coming back to this song dude i have to be at least like 45 of their of the listens on this song <laughs> so yeah i threw this one on on my drive to work today and really dug it um yeah that should be fun i'm pretty sure they have an ep dropping sometime soon i have no idea how i found this band so don't ask me but i, I i'm not really going to it. uh i don't think i said my song of the week it was the very first one the calvin harris ellie goulding oh that's a that's a great track man uh we can wrap up the singles this week with the newest release from devil driver called through the depths it's a pretty straightforward metal track no complaints from me here it's fun to bang your head too did you enjoy this one uh, I did. I'm a I'm a fan of Devil Driver. Um, about once a year, I will go back and I listen to um, their self-titled Devil Driver album from 2003. Um, it just reminds me of like I'm pretty sure, and I'm gonna now I need to double check, but I'm pretty sure that that was uh, Roadrunner Records. I could be wrong. Oh, it's not interesting. Um, but it just reminds me of the time where I discovered that record labels pretty much take bands that have similar sounds and put them all together. And I was discovering like machine head and trivium and slipknot and, and, and sepultura and like all of these bands that were, that, that were, that were all on the same record label. And I just remember being like, this is like this, this is amazing. Um, and so every time I hear devil drivers self-titled, it kind of brings me back to that time. This track is good. It's not their best. In fact, his vocals sound a little strained here. Um, we'll see, we'll see what happens, but I am a fan of the band and you're right. It's a good hang. It's a good headbanger. It is man. Sepultura. Have you ever heard the Pavarotti version of roots, bloody roots? Oh my God. No. What? <laughs> okay. Hold on. I need to take a note to send you this immediately <laughs> after the show because it is, I got it off LimeWire. I don't yes. know. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. Okay. Finally, will... something that's not Bill Clinton. <laughs> exactly. Or Pam and Tommy. Yeah, um, right. All right. We have an EP this week, and it is Manchester Orchestra's new one, The Valley of the Vision. Valley of Vision. So talk to me about it. 
Uh, all right. So this is a kind of weird release for Manchester Orchestra, I think. Everything is like really slow. The guitars are mixed to be like really quiet and they're usually like almost powerful on the majority of their mixes. Uh, piano and vocals are right up front and all of the tracks obviously have like fantastic crescendos and that's to be expected with Manchester Orchestra. And I really like the last minute and a half of all of these songs. Um, but for some reason, this EP didn't resonate with me as much as I wanted it to, man. Um, I'm glad, you know, I'm glad we really pick up and get that classic Manchester Orchestra sound on Rear View, which is the last track on this. But other than that, I think this kind of is a little bit of a dud for me. Not because it's not good, because it is fine musically. It's just it it, it took so long to get to the mm -hmm. part of Manchester Orchestra that I really like, which is guitars up front, filtered and powerful with these kind of ethereal atmospheric vocals kind of flowing through them as they're being powerful. And I feel like it was all built up on this one for kind of not much. Yeah. Uh, I also wasn't feeling this one, albeit for some slightly different reasons. I liked some of the instrumentation and production, but I've just never been able to get into them beyond that. This whole album was just a bit of a snoozer for me, despite it not really landing with me, though. I don't have a ton of obvious criticisms of it either. This is just kind of a matter of personal taste. I think if we were to score this one, I'd have it like somewhere around five. But The Way was actually my standout, but I'm not All typically right. a fan of theirs. So you saying Rearview is closer to their older stuff. Is, is interesting. I'll have to go back and give that one a listen to, if nothing else. Again, I didn't hate it. It just isn't my uh, favorite Manchester Orchestra release, so we'll see. All right, Brandon's Song of the Week, Rearview by Manchester Orchestra. Nope, it's not that. <laughs> All right, man. <laughs> Let's talk about some albums. First up, we have a new one from Miley Cyrus called Endless Summer Vacation. I don't know about you. I have this album somewhere between okay and fine. It's at its best when she's operating in that blues pop space, or at least at least those are the parts of this album that I enjoyed the most. I thought the first three songs were really good and flowed together well. They featured the best production and songwriting the album has to offer. From there, it was a pretty mixed bag from track to track for me. River and Muddy were good, but songs like Handstand just left me scratching my head trying to figure out how it was supposed to fit into the album I was listening to. <laughs> and she ends the album with what sounds like a Phil Collins song, followed by what sounds like a Sarah McLaughlin song. And I don't mean <laughs> either of those comparisons as compliments in this <laughs> specific case. I'm giving this one a six to be generous. My standout is jaded. How did you feel about this one? Well, I most definitely liked it better than you. Um, it me. So Tell me what you liked about it. Miley Cyrus. I've never been like a gigantic fan of her music. However, I have always been like a huge fan of her voice. It's the climb. Sorry. <laughs> no, no. I'll let you finish. <laughs> I'll finish. <laughs> okay, good, That's good, the good. only song. That's the only words I know. <laughs> Look, man. Miley Cyrus has got some fucking pipes, man. And she really shows them off. Her cover of Dolly, Dolly Parton's Jolene is just uh, gorgeous. So... We only got one single for this album, which was Flowers. I thought that it was a fantastic track. I think I may have been more impressed with it than you were, but I really like it, and it's a yes. serious earworm for me. Um, I think it's fitting as the first track on this record. Uh, Jaded is a solid track, and it's mixed kind of perfectly with her voice front and center. Um, 
due to the only single being Flowers, I, I didn't really know what to expect with her for the rest of the album because she's been through so many different styles with her music. Jaded kind of informed me that we were going to be getting like a bunch of pure country ballads. Uh, I was mm-hmm. wrong. <laughs> uh, Rose Colored <laughs> Lenses is poppy. It's still, you know, down temple track that kind of has these like jazzy guitar licks uh, towards the end. Thousand Miles is another country adjacent track that like it has some pretty cool harmonies with Brandy Carlisle. Are you a Brandy Carlisle fan? Mm, I'm not not a Brandy Carlisle fan. I yeah. like some of her older stuff more than the like newer stuff. Yeah, I'm not a giant fan of Brandy, but not because she's not good, because she does make great music objectively, but more of like a stylistic preference thing for me. Sure. Um, you is a great check that, again, I think it, it shows off her voice. Uh, so at this point, at the album, I, I wrote this as I was listening to it, right? So at this point, mm-hmm. I, I, I genuinely thought that and I went back and took these notes because I thought for sure we were just going to get uh, another one of these songs, another one of these songs, another one of these songs. Uh, yeah, Handstand starts with like this synth lead and it marks the start of, in my opinion, the best three track run on this album. No. Um, yeah, man. Brandon, We've got no. electronic elements. Vocals are mixed to the back and like filtered almost completely different stylistically than the, than the rest of the album so far. It just builds and builds. And then we get to River, which is the clear standout of the album for me. We've got a synth lead. We've got a digital bass line River's courtesy good. of like a 303 plug-in. Uh, it's four on the four pop track that just threw whatever else she had written for this album out the window. It's clearly inspired by the pop hits of old. Uh, it's a fantastic track, man. And Violet Chemistry kind of finishes out this three-song run with another old-school meets new-school pop track. Uh, there's no more four on the floor, but it is still a, pr- a really good earworm, man. I really do like the percussion on uh, Violet Chemistry. So I really like this three-song run, but you're right. Handstand kind of like is weird. I think that these three tracks don't necessarily fit within the rest of the album. And I think she could have removed these three tracks and put out an EP and done just as well with it. If, if you ask me, because yeah, that's an interesting, thought. because yeah. I think we get muddy feet, which is just anger, right? Lyrically. It's just, you get your fucking muddy feet out of my fucking house, bro. Um, sure. And wild card is cringy as hell. I don't really like that. I, lyrically, at least I think it's a, again, I I'm just entranced by her voice. I do. I do like her voice so much that it like, it does, it does, change my opinion of songs that I normally wouldn't like, which happens to me in R and B all the time. Um, like mm-hmm. uh, hers album a couple years ago. I remember being like the, like stylistically, this isn't my thing, but God damn her voice and the lyrics really fucking yeah. get me, you know, yeah, I get it. So we close out the album with wonder woman. I don't consider the demo for flowers to be a part of the album, but it's a piano ballad. I don't really like these and I'm not the biggest fan of this track, but again, I love her voice. Look, man, I'm, I'm going to give it a six and a half, maybe, maybe even a seven on a good day. Stylistically, it's not my thing like a lot of the time. But when it is my thing, it really hits. Um, and she has this gorgeous voice. I loved River. River is right up my fucking alley. If she made an entire album like River, I'd be about it. Let's go. I think River is the next single. Yeah, she, 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 has a, she has a video out for it. Yeah, I think she also did like another Backyard Sessions for oh, Disney cool. Plus too. So neat. Check that out if you're a fan of her. Um, yeah, good album. Not great. All right. Fair. Uh moving on, we got a new one from Story of the Year called Tear Me to Pieces. We stopped covering the rollout for this album a few singles ago, but I've remained curious about it, and I'm impressed with the finished product. 
it didn't exceed any of my expectations for it, but they proved that they can still make a good album and shouldn't be slept on. It might not have any all-timers on it, like Until the Day I Die or Anthem of Our Dying Day, but it is a well-constructed album from beginning to end and puts them back on my radar for the first time in a long time. I'm going to give this one a 7. My favorite track is the title track, Tear Me to Pieces. And my least favorite track was 2005. I don't know why I felt the need to say that. I just needed to. Uh, how did you feel about this one? You know, it's funny, man. Imagine, so like, until until the day I die, right? Fucking post-hardcore 2003, utter timeless classic in, yes. in the genre, for sure. Imagine if Pink Floyd's first single was when when you were, or, uh, what, what is it? When, when, when the levee breaks? No, fucking wish you were here, sorry. Uh, imagine if Pink Floyd's first single ever was Wish You Were Here. Oh, imagine them one. following any of that up. <laughs> like there, there would just yeah. be no way no, to do it. You can't do it. So, so all right. Uh, we are all over the place with influences and eras in 2023. We have a late 90s pop coming from Miley. We have mid 90s trance coming from Calvin Harris. We have mid 2000s post hardcore from coming from story of the year. Uh, this is, of course, a little poppier than some of their other releases. Um, it's kind of got that it's kind of got that um, that Silverstein, that new Silverstein mix to it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like the, the vocals are very clearly there, there's some auto tune in there and I'm, I'm there. There's nothing to be ashamed of, of there, you know? Uh, look, man, we covered uh, Tear Me to Pieces when it dropped. Couldn't get enough of it then. Still can't get enough of it now. It's a fantastic track. I kind of hate that they named a track called Afterglow. Uh, it's fine. It's like a fine track, but Silverstein did it better. Uh, Dead and Gone is a very good track with a chorus that's just catchy as hell. Classic story of the year here. At 33 minutes, man, this album is a pretty quick listen. I'm not usually like a big fan yeah. of acoustic stuff, but I think that Sorry About Me is a good song. Take the Ride is almost like a pop punk song. Um, Use Me is the perfect closer for the album, I think. I liked it. I didn't love it, but it's cool. We're still getting music out of these guys. Um, I gave it a seven. My standout was actually Dead and Gone, but Tear to Pieces was very close. Um, did you ever get, get a chance to see them? Hmm... No, they are one of the few bands that I never saw during that era. Interesting. I did not see them during that era, but I did see them in 2015 when they were one of the first bands to play uh, at the Taste of Chaos I went to. Might have been 2016, one of those. How were they? Uh, they were really good, man. We walked in as Anthem of Our Dying Day was uh, about halfway through, and it like really set the tone for the rest of the day. And he sounded, as it they, yeah, it's yeah. They, they, the band sounded great. Um, it was, it was, it was, it was a good set, man. It was a good set. Of yeah, they might have played it a festival I was at, but I, I didn't see them if they did. Yeah, fair. I'm sure they played at a warp tour you went to. I'd be surprised if they didn't. I would be as well. Um, although I think they were more Taste of Chaos than Warp Tour. Yeah, fair. Uh, all right, man. You ready to talk about the new Suicide Silence album? I am. So their new album, Remember You Must Die, is now out. Tell me your thoughts on it. <laughs> all right, man. I've been a big fan of Suicide Silence for a very long time now. Uh, almost 20 years. <laughs> um, we we talked about them in our Best uh, Scene podcast uh best of the scene podcast for this reason uh i saw them back in like 2005 when and i listened to their self-titled dp like a thousand fucking times i was of course devastated when mitch lucker died and when eddie took over it was kind of a surprise i thought the band was dead everybody thought the band was dead but some say it sh still should be but I, i'm happy with eddie as a vocalist as a whole 
This band has meant like so much to me for such a long time. Uh, I did get to see them with Eddie when they uh, played in 2014 when they toured with Black Dahlia Murder and Chelsea Grin. Uh, it was a great show. Uh, for this album, this album is clearly way more death metal than it is inspired by any of the any of the core subgenres. There's like obviously breakdowns and like some varied vocals and like other elements of deathcore that play a role, but they're not front and center like other releases of theirs. They went with the classic death metal cover art. They went with it's very reminiscent of like a death album. Um, mm-hmm. In fact, they kind of have like a bunch of different stuff. Like they have like death and like morbid angel, like kind of all meshed into one here. Um, they went with like classic death metal theme themes of like dismemberment, death, and boiling skin. They <laughs> they tuned their guitars differently on this one. Uh, they focused on uh, tremolo picking and the bass being like a major player in the track. Uh, Eddie's vocals are a little raspier this time around. All of this summed up to an album that really barks up my tree, man. Uh, it probably won't for like a lot of the newer to the death core genre kids, and that's okay. There are no symphonic elements. There aren't any pig squeals. There is just raw death metal with some breakdowns. Uh, I think this album kicks ass. Uh, Altar of Self had me headbanging along every single time it came on. The intro on A Dying Life is fucking heavy. I'm going to give this album a, a solid 7 out of 10. My standout was Altar of Self. What did you think about the new Suicide Silence record, John? Dude, this album fucking rips. It is wall-to-wall chaos in the best way. I don't have a track-by-track breakdown for this one or even any coherent thoughts on it, so I'll just talk (laughs) about some of my favorite things about it. The vocals, I thought, were fucking incredible. The breakdown at the end of You Must Die is awesome. The instrumentals are insane. But the drums are my favorite part of this album. The relentless blast beats, the drum fills to open God Be Damned and The Third Death, Actually, everything on God Be Damned <laughs> just fucking rules. Such the drums, track, the guitars, man. the way he delivers the hatred never felt so good line in the last verse. That's my standout. I'm giving this one an eight, man. I, I nice. love it. Nice. What? Awesome. Yeah. Big fan. That's amazing. Uh, yeah, this is, a, this is a great album, man. Uh, I don't think it's going to do well with the Deathcore people. But if, yeah, fuck if, <laughs> thank you. If any death metal fans are interested in uh, warming up to the deathcore kids, why don't you go ahead and throw this album on for size? You might be surprised. Yeah, man, I fucking dug it. And, you know, you probably weren't expecting me to dig this. One I at all. was not expecting you to rate your first metal album higher than I rated one. So I think you nailed it when you said it's just straight metal with breakdowns. It's kind of what I want. it doesn't have to be so complex although we will get into a more complex one pretty soon that i was a big fan of as well look man they went corny with it and it it kind of it almost like so when i saw the video for uh i think it's you must die actually i think uh or capable of violence one of those uh i don't know if you watched it but they're i mean they're like pulling each other's arms off and there's blood squirting everywhere and they even like mention it and i should have called it then but like i didn't call it because they some guy walks by and he's wearing a suicide silence hoodie and they're they're like suicide silence is a metal and then they just start ripping each other apart it is classic mid 90s just corny cheesy death dismemberment murder and corniness and i love that they leaned into it i i hope that they make more records like this to be completely honest with you because i'm a big fan of it yeah same 
Uh, moving on, we have a new one from Orbital that you threw on here called Optical Delusion. Tell me about this one. Uh, so we missed this release. It came out earlier this year. Uh, we've had a fucking wild year for releases already, but I really wanted to cover it, and I think it would be remiss of us not to. Um, here we have Orbital's 13th studio album, if I counted correctly. Dear God. Optical Delusion, which is a fantastic album title. Look, man, this is everything that I expect from Orbital. After a career that spanned over 30 years, you get to know an artist. It's weird. It's funky. It's British. It's a great listen. There's some house, some techno, some drum and bass, some big beat, plethora of experimentation happening here. Their percussion, as is tradition, is a highlight of this record for me. Uh, you Are the Frequency sounds like if like uh, loud electro and ferocious era Ferry Corsten and the Chemical Brothers got together to make a track. Um uh, we get some acid house with home on dirty rat. We have a feature from Sleaford mods. I cannot really get into that band as a whole. It's one of the only tracks on Viagra boys album last year that I didn't like was the Sleaford mod guys uh, feature. Um, I see people recommending them. I just can't get into them, man, but I got to <laughs> say it really works here. It really works on this one. Um, I love the guitars and the that are kind of like overladen on this track. The annoying at time vocals are like, kind of catchy um the first time i heard the song i was like "Ugh, i don't like the sleeper mods and then the second time i heard it, i was like wait a second this is kind of good um i i i I wasn't expecting to like it seeing that feature but uh requiem for the post uh for the pre-apocalypse is a fantastic drum and bass track uh moon princess is kind of a weird closer for this album i think i like i think i like this album i don't know man Sometimes throughout the week it would come on and it would and I would just be fucking jamming. Other times it was just kind of like noise that almost like never happens for me. Like almost especially with EDM albums. But just look at the cover of this album and you'll see that sometimes it's cool. Sometimes it's fucking weird. I I'm actually gonna give this one a six. My standout was Requiem for the Pre-Apocalypse. What did you think about Orbital's thousandth album? Okay, so I. I think you have the right score. I gave this one a seven, but I think you have the right score. The reason I gave it a seven is because of what they kind of did here. This this was a surprise. I didn't know this album came out or was coming out. And it brings 90s energy into the 20s in a way that we don't really hear too often. I know that they've been active, but this is really my first time hearing them in a long time. So I think it's pretty impressive how well they've adapted to a completely new era of EDM while maintaining what makes them sound like them. This album is all over the place stylistically, <laughs> but I think that the risks pay off more than they don't. I'm, I also have the, my standout as Requiem for the Pre-Apocalypse. I think the drum and bass thing on here is what they do best, but... Day One and Are You Alive were fucking awesome tracks, too. I think you're right. It's a six. I gave it a seven because this is a group that's been around for decades and is still managing to put out pretty good albums. So maybe I graded it on a curve, but I thought it was good. It's it's interesting. I will give it that. Again, sometimes it would be on and I'd be fucking jamming. Other times, not so much. Yeah, I don't think this is one I'll probably revisit a lot with time, but I think just on its own terms as an album to throw on, it is it is what it is. I enjoyed it more than I did, but I get what you're saying. Nice. All right, man, let's talk about Periphery. This is their new album, Periphery 5. Gent is not a genre. 
I know I say this a lot, man, but this album really shines in the first three songs. I ran this album start to finish multiple times this week, but Wildfire, Atropo, and Wax Wings back to back to back to open this album is overwhelming in the best way possible. We've covered a lot of prog metal on this podcast over the years, but I've never heard a prog metal core. Uh, I've never heard a group do progressive metal core. And if I have, I've never heard them really do it the way Periphery does on this album. Everything they do, they do extremely well. And they do a lot of things, man, from heavy <laughs> breakdowns to soaring solos to anthemic hooks to full on jazz interludes in the middle of songs to cinematic scores. The only track on this one I really didn't like was Silhouette, but I understand its purpose within the structure of the album. I'm just as impressed with this one every time I listen to it as I was the first time. I'm giving it an eight. My standout is a toss up between Atropo and Wax Wings. How did you feel about this one? I know you were anticipating it as well. <laughs> Holy fuck, bro. Uh, so similar to the Haken Hawken album that we got last week, this yeah. album is dense as hell. Mm -hmm. it is proggy (laughs) it's heavy it's soft it's clean it's gent it's a number of things wildfire is a just a fucking banger bro it still gets daily play for me uh atropo is a cleaner prog track that has a vocalist switching from like harsh to cleans on a dime straight up killing it uh wax wings injects some like major atmosphere into the album and it's just like we get these like layered instrumentals over like a guitar solo towards the end. And just, uh, it's, it's, it's everything. And it's, well, it's crazy, man. The breakdown on everything is fine. It's masterful. Silhouette is an R and B song. Who the fuck is this band? Um, <laughs> Dracula Gra is a, just a 12 minute banger with a seamless transition into the final track. Thanks. Nobu. Uh, we have the end of this hour and 10 minute album. This track is almost as long as the last one at about 11 minutes. I like this album. I didn't, like it as much as I thought I was going to. I think Wildfire kind of threw me off uh, a little bit. It, we get a lot of that, but we don't get that energy throughout. No, the whole that's thing. it's relentless on a different level. It the really nonstop is. chugging and stabbing. It's very much the the theme of the album. A lot of palm muting going on on that one. That's that's gent for you, even though they yes. say it's not a genre. Uh, look, man, I also gave this one an eight. I really liked this one. My um, standout is obviously Wildfire, but I I, I do wish that I kind of wish that honestly, if Wildfire was the last track on this album, I might like it more. To be completely honest with you, maybe maybe I'll listen to it like that. Um, but I I really did like it. I mean, it, it is an eight for sure. I I almost like went into it thinking, man, I'm gonna I'm gonna give I'm gonna give one of my first tens this year, and no, <laughs> it's it's not it's not a ten, but it's it's a very good album. It I'll, is. I'll I'll, I'll I'll be revisiting it for sure, uh, because again, it's it's very dense, um, and we only really have like a week ish with a sometimes less than a week with the with these with these albums and. With a prog metal album like this, uh, you, you gotta like, you gotta give it some time. Sometimes they grow on you, you know. Yeah, I think it's safe to say this is one you and I will both be revisiting, and one of the best rock albums released this year so far. Most definitely. All right, man. Let's end this week with talking about the new album, the debut album from Meet Me at the Altar, called Past, Present, Future. What are your thoughts on this one? I'm going to be real with you, bro. I only got through this album once. Okay. Um, it just is not my thing. I thought I had heard like a few Meet Me at the Altar tracks that I've liked in the past, and that may be true. This, 
whole thing is just too bubble gum. It's a little too try hard. It's not very punk rock for me. Cool is just a straight up annoying song. Um, it just feels, I don't know, man. I don't want to say inauthentic, but it feels very not authentic. I don't know how else to put that. Um, I really do hate to say that, to be honest, because uh, I've heard people talking about this band for a while and I've liked a few of their tracks, but it just feels like some or most of these were written with like TikTok in mind and the vocals and the lyrics just maybe aren't for me. The songs I did like were fine. Uh, Like the A Few Tomorrows is good and It's Over for Me are are both Mm -hmm. pretty good tracks. I'd say one of those is my standout. I'm not going to give it a score. I think I'd probably be too mean mean about it. But what did you think about Meet Me at the Altars debut record? I liked it more than I did. I thought it was a solid debut. It's sure. it's fun to listen to. It doesn't really overstay its welcome. What's the runtime on this one? Uh, 30 minutes. So it's yep. pretty quick. Um, the songs managed to feel direct and to the point. I mean, maybe as a result of that, they're a little underwritten, but they're definitely not overthought, which I usually don't like as well. I love seeing Fueled by Ramen still working with some interesting up and coming acts in pop punk like this. It's going to be very easy for people to lump this in with recent efforts from Willow or Olivia Rodrigo or even Demi Lovato's last album. And while that's great company to be in, I hope that people can kind of approach this on its own terms because... I think that they did a pretty good job. And while this album might not be like an album of the year contender, I do look forward to seeing how they'll grow from this. Uh, I gave this one a six and my standout is it's over for me. All right. Yeah. It's over for me. I think is the clear standout for the album. Yeah. Um, This was a fun week, man. A bunch of interesting releases. Yeah. Most definitely interesting. That's the word. Uh, Before we talk about next week's releases, I have some interesting emergency news that i want to break here and get Uh-oh. your reaction to all right this is only interesting and emergency to me by the way <laughs> they have released the track list for their new album Uh-oh. and there's a casey musgraves feature on it that's a little weird <laughs> what the fuck that's how does that weird. even make that doesn't make any sense. Like, of all the features I would ever guess for a They album, that would be, like, in the one percentile, probably. <laughs> We're going to see how that plays out. That's fucking weird, though. Yeah, that's a, uh, that's a little weird, man. Uh, kind of excited for it. Yeah, no, I, I think I think if anybody can do it well, it's... I don't even know. I don't even know if I want to say that. Um, <laughs> I think... I it's think They. It will be interesting. It will be interesting, to say the least. What are we covering next week, John? All right, man. So on next week's episode, we will be breaking down new releases from All Time Low, Chelsea Grin, Fiddler's new EP, which we thought we broke down. The full thing wasn't out yet. (laughs) K5's debut album, the new M83 album, and get this, a T-Pain album of covers. My man. Yeah. Which of those are you most excited for? I don't fucking know, dude. The K the K five album for yeah. sure. Yeah. Uh Fiddler EP's probably gonna be pretty good. Uh yeah, man, we've got we've got some bangers coming. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to the K five album, but an album of T Pain doing covers sounds like a great time as well. I can't <laughs> wait. It's gonna be a fun episode. We'll see you all next week. Peace. Peace.